Welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm Sarah Buddery. And I'm MJ Smith, and this is the last episode of actual minute by minute analysis. Uh, we did it. Um, we, we made it through moves and broken bones and uh-huh. weddings and... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Kitty cat and puppy acquisitions and <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is it for the minute by minute uh, discussion of Jaws, and we have a guest with us um, to celebrate this momentous occasion. So Kevin Held is here. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Good. How are y'all? Uh, kind of in the surreal state of mind. Yeah. Not... In y'all's feels. Yeah, it does not feel mm-hmm. real. Uh, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So before, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about that part of uh, <laughs> of this episode a little later on. But um, Kevin, we want to give the floor to you. Uh, thank you for joining us for this this final um, bit of analysis. And no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what what uh, what is your history with Jaws that led you to being on the minute by minute breakdown podcast? So I think it was like over a year ago, I listened to a Jaws podcast just talking about the movie. And then after I just got so amped up about Jaws again that I was like, oh, I want to listen to more podcasts and eventually stumbled upon your show and started listening to it. And a couple episodes in, I heard, oh, hey, we're if you want to come on and talk about it, you can. And I think this was last July, so I reached out <laughs> and and ended up picking this scene. And I think it was Sarah who just said, yeah, we won't be recording that until April. Uh, is that going to be okay? I said, sure. Fine, I'll, I'll just forget about this for seven months. And then, uh, yeah. But, uh, so, is this the part where I talk about where I, how I got into Jaws as a kid? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... I Jaws is probably my favorite movie that is not like the original Star Wars. I've probably seen this the most of any movie not named Star Wars. I've probably seen Jaws close to a hundred times or thereabouts. Uh, I was talking to my mom yesterday because I can't remember the first time I saw it. So I asked her, like, when did I see it? Because I could, I can remember that I saw it at my parents' house. I think they had recorded it off of HBO. Mm. And we had a top a top-down loader VCR. And so she thinks that I was 5. So that would be like 1985 and she says no later than 1986. So I was either a 5 or a 6-year-old kid watching jaws over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> and just loved sharks ever since. Like, I 
you know, when Jaws Week started or when Shark Week started, I was all about <laughs> that. And anytime I could see a shark documentary, I would watch it or, yeah, I've just loved it ever since. Like to me, it was, it was, a, it, 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 it was everything. It was a horror movie. It was an action movie, an adventure movie, a suspense movie. It fits everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I stopped watching it for a while, uh, for a number of years, just no particular reason. And then in college one time, my friends and I rented it, and we just talked the entire time, cutting up and enjoying ourselves, watching the movie. And every so often since then, I would go back and just watch the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And so after after Sarah you know, signed off on me coming on the show, I immediately turned around and watched it again <laughs> and was just blown away by everything because I hadn't seen it in a couple of years mm. at that point. And just the pacing, the, the setups, the, the way shots are composed, just every little thing about it. And I know you all have talked about the little screw-ups, like the, the date being wrong on the... <laughs> on the, uh, the, the obituary or the death certificate or little things like that. But to me, I never noticed that until I was in college. Yeah. Like the movie was so good and the story was so good. And the acting was so good that there, there are mistakes or errors that I just never saw or subconsciously ignored. Just mm-hmm. it's as close to a perfect movie as you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I recently got a new 4K TV and soundbar setup, so I've been watching the beginning of The Dark Knight on 4K a whole lot this week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh for the first it's a movie I love. Uh and for the first time, I've been like, oh, there's absolutely no reason for this opening sequence to be filmed in IMAX. 99% <laughs> of this happens inside the bank. There's yeah. no reason for this to be this big. But that's the first time I've noticed it and I've watched it at least twice a day since I got the TV, just playing with settings of, on the soundbar and playing with settings on the TV and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, when you love a movie so much, you don't know. And not that I think it was a mistake to do it. It looks incredible. But it just it made me laugh for the first time where it's like, wait a minute. It's just people like it's just people interacting. There's no there's like two shots that justify this entire nine minutes being in, in IMAX. And uh, I admire the flex, but it's just like, wow, that's right. also kind of a kind of a waste. Um, how does the how does the truck just di- diverging or diverging, of course, because that's what we do on this podcast. Right. Um, how is the truck chase on your 4K setup? I just watched it. So my my thing is that I've been waiting to until like I get everything dialed in to watch the movie start to finish uh, irresponsibly loud. And (laughs) just last night I was like, I'm bored of watching this uh, opening scene. And I started the truck chase and I was like, oh, no, (laughs) this is I was like, I can't. I I legit had to pull myself away from it to because because the rest of my night would have been just watching the movie from that point forward. (laughs) (laughs) And I had I had a I had an appointment on Discord at seven, so I didn't have the time to do that. But I was like, yeah, I'm I will cancel these plans (laughs) if I if I keep watching this any longer. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good excuse for canceling plans. Yeah. 
Um, so it's just about dialed in. I need to figure out where I'm putting my subwoofer and then cable manage everything. And then I am ready to watch it. I'm, I'm going to be watching that and Jaws in 4K mm-hmm. as loud nice. as possible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, your your experience, Sean, it mirrors just about every guest we've had as far as, like, I watched it when I was a kid, and I loved it, and I didn't realize it was the scariest thing ever. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, um, so <laughs> it got to a point where there were numerous times that I would, it, like, so the opening shark attack never bothered me. The the little kid, uh, Alex Kittner, getting get, getting got never bothered me. It was the two old guys with the pot roast. That scene mm. scared the hell out of me. Like I would, it got to a point where a couple of years, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, I would walk out of the room the second it started that that entire sequence like they're they're walking along the island i'm like all right i'm gonna come back in five minutes and then the scene with ben gardner's head i just it was always the 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 shrill score that Mm. that that was more like i think that's what it was it was always the score Mm -hmm. that's what got me every time as a kid yeah, especially in that scene as well. Like I, I mentioned this, I think on that episode. But when I saw it with the with the live orchestra, they they screwed up the cue a little bit, and it was not like the head appearing that made people jump. It was the like the sudden like shrill yeah. screeching score that made people jump. So I, I kind of had it like accidentally proven in front of me that yeah, yeah that that moment is so much scarier yeah i school. was doing that to myself last night because i was <laughs> researching certain <laughs> things for my notes and so i'm playing the soundtrack on my phone and i and i'm in bed just playing the soundtrack on my phone and i'm like i feel a little uneasy here <laughs> this is this is weird my door is open some something could come in behind me what's happening i don't know i'm a grown-ass man afraid of <laughs> A shark coming in my room? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, I I think, though, so I, uh, weirdly to bring it back to Batman, um, there was a quote this week that I saw on a Hollywood Reporter article from Jack Nicholson, and it was him talking about playing the Joker, and he says, My early experience in working for an audience full of children, the more you scare them, the more they like it. The worse you mm-hmm. are, the better, because that was my response to the Joker. This is a hateful occurrence, this man, if you looked at it literally, but every kid loves this guy, I believe. And that's absolutely true. I'd never thought about that and leave it to freaking Jack Nicholson to figure that out. But um, <laughs> I, I agree and disagree. Uh, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street at far too young an age, and that absolutely <laughs> wrecked me for years. Years. Yeah. But I, I think I think certain scary things within within some kind of reason yeah, yeah i think there has to be a hero to overcome the fear right like here yeah. we have brody we have batman like batman ultimately wins right um yeah. so i think that's that may be how he he approached it which i mean that's definitely how i view that character and uh yeah you know he, that makes a lot more sense yeah i mean even like darth vader and luke right or obi-wan right. Mm-hmm. like you know he's He's a scary looking dude if you're a small child, but the good overcomes eventually. So it's like, oh, I'm scared of that guy, but then the hero's going to win, so it's fine. 
Um, and oddly enough, my parents my parents would tell me all the time how much I enjoy I loved seeing Darth Vader on screen. Yeah, as a kid. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, you and know, now I have completely blown my theory out the water. So whatever. <laughs> well, but like you said, because like Freddy wins at the end of Nightmare, right? Like he's the yeah. right. He's, like he's, he's still he's still around. Yeah, and he kills like a lot of kids. Like <laughs> right. Um, but if you look at like uh, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Like the the Disney villains, right? Like most right. kids love the Disney villains, and they always have the best songs. Uh, mm-hmm. The Disney villain and songs like, are 100% the best, and Sarah can back me up on this because she has a Disney <laughs> podcast. Um, yes. But they like, true. Yeah, yeah they, they, they're the coolest part of all the Disney movies, but they get their comeuppance. So, like, they're not scary. and Like, they're scary until they're not, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's like, there's a difference, I think, because we've spoken about this, I think, in previous episodes. Like, sometimes you will see a film too young, and it is mm-hmm. scary. Wasn't yours Poltergeist, MJ? Is Poltergeist that is the one that really freaked me out, but the one yeah, that, like, did yeah. it... Like, I can watch Poltergeist and enjoy it now. The one that still, like, my heart rate increases at the end is Blair Witch. Like, that's the one where... Oh, like, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, like, there's, there's a real difference between, like... And like we're all saying, you know, a film that has a, a scary element, but there's also like lightness in there as well. And obviously you get that in, in Disney, but yeah, the villains are the best, <laughs> the best part about Disney films. Like I have in my Disney journey from being like a kid and loving it, you can go back and like see pictures of me when I was like a toddler and I was wearing like the princess t-shirts and stuff. And now like all the Disney clothing that I own as an adult is just the villains. So <laughs> yeah, this I, is my arc. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one of those things where Lion King was like a formative film for me and mm-hmm. I was super into Scar. And then I got older and I was like, Oh, he's literally Hitler. Cool. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. sure we were going to get a Hitler reference on the Jaws <laughs> podcast, but uh, hey, inevitably, there goes. we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did it. Uh... Didn't have Hitler in my notes here, so... Yeah. <laughs> Y'all ever seen Be Prepared in German? Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, real good, though. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's such well, a good song Well, now I have something well. to look up after this. Yeah, if yeah. you haven't... That's, that's your homework this week, everyone, is if you haven't seen... Be prepared in German. Look it up and be like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they used the, like, the inspiration for that whole bit. Like, the freaking hyenas are literally, like, goose-stepping. Goose-stepping, yeah. Yeah, so they, they took the, they were very clear with what they were referencing there. But, yeah, there is something uh, altogether more sinister about that song in German, though. <laughs> it really works. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the first person who was like, hey, wait a minute. It's Lion Hitler. What if German audio? <laughs> well, I mean, there would be a German language version of it. Yeah, surely. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But yes, the person who like put that link together and was just like, let me just blow up the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, that said, uh, th- this is where the scares stop. Um, mm-hmm. So this week's timestamp uh kevin i know you had an issue with your timestamp on youtube because the youtube st- timestamping is out of control for some reason i've had right. to... I, when i heard you t- when i heard you mention it on a previous episode i was like oh no i need to reach out to sarah then and get yeah. exactly where i'm starting 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you're watching it, I think basically anywhere except YouTube, uh, two <laughs> hours, 33 minutes. And if you are watching it on YouTube, or two hours, 33 seconds to the end <laughs> of the movie, uh, two hours, three minutes and 54 seconds officially. Um, but that's, that takes us to the end of the credits. Um, so yeah, last week we left off with, uh, Brody exploding Bruce. And this week we see his celebration as well as Bruce's, uh, long sink to the bottom of the ocean to Davy Jones locker, as it were. Um, and so we see Brody's exuberant, uh, celebration of that as well as this, um, uh, this moment of the shark sinking to the bottom of the, the ocean floor. And then um, Brody's kind of left with a now what <laughs> um, situation. <laughs> he is on the sunken orca. And then Hooper pops up and they have a moment between each other. Um, Hooper asks about Quint and Brody gives him the unfortunate news. And then they use the, uh, the barrels to kick back to shore and uh, have a debate about what day it is. And uh, Brody announces his fear uh, one last time in the past tense, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And then uh, the credits play and we watch the credits. And in the background on the beach, we watch uh, Hooper and Brody make it back to shore safely. And that's that's Jaws. <laughs> that's Jaws, baby. <laughs> Jaws hands. Jaws hands! Jaws hands! <laughs> That's what happens when a shark does jazz hands. They're called Jaws, Jaws hands. <laughs> that was like one after the other. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, Jaws o'clock somewhere. We'll see you guys next week. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, this is the, it's the end of the movie, you guys. Um, so Sean, or... Kevin, sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> that will be interchanged I, I probably. Ans- throughout the- I answer to both. It's my okay. mi- Sean is my middle name. It's okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what did you notice about this this scene, uh, watching it in isolation? Okay, so I got a ton of notes here. The So the first thing I noticed, and this is because I watched all the Jaws films a lot as a kid, is the shark sinking here they reuse that same footage in Jaws the Revenge. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because I, I noticed the way the, the dorsal fin kind of cut through the blood. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. That that reminds me of... So I had to go queue up Jaws the Revenge and then come back and kind of compare the two like I'm looking at the Zapruder film. And I was like, yeah, I think that's the same. So that was the first thing. The I don't think we'd uh, get a Zapruder film reference on the Jaws podcast. <laughs> Well, look, if you can bring up uh, other random things from yeah. uh, decades prior, so can I. Yeah. Um, so the, the the audio track, the the soundtrack is, it's all from, the, the track is called Hand to Hand, because I was looking for the, the ghostly part of it. I thought it was going to be by itself in the soundtrack, and the original 1975, it's not. It's actually attached to the end where Brody shoots the shark, but... So the ghostly part is attached to that, and it uh, it stands out as its own... Shoot, now I'm at a loss for words here. It stands out because they really drive home the point that the shark was more than just an animal. Yeah. 
Like it was mm-hmm. just like this this unstoppable Leviathan. Like it was it was otherworldly. It was it 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 ties in even to the tagline of the film, which I don't know if you I can't remember if you guys have talked about this before, but the tagline in the trailer uh, for the movie was it was as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. <laughs> That's a good tagline. Yeah, <laughs> especially when it's narrated by by Percy Rodriguez. It's like, oh my God, I need to change my pants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did Benchley? So, I feel like Benchley had to have written that tagline. So. Mm. So you see the shark, like, you know, spiraling down, and and you're like, okay, the devil has been vanquished, and then there you go, you get the you get the roar again. I know you guys have talked about the roar before. <laughs> and it's kind of like a, a last like a last guttural noise mm-hmm. from the shark. Uh yeah, before cutting back to Brody. And like that's yeah, that's that's it for Bruce. Exit stage. Uh, submerged. <laughs> Exit stage underwater. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yeah, that, um, the, the roar, I think, is the, that's the, the bit that Spielberg took from, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, no, right? Duel. Like, it's from Duel. But he, he got it from that originally, I oh. think. Like, yeah, so the, because I, this is in my extensive Duel research, so the, the truck, dying is the sound of the creature from the black lagoon and then he took the same audio from duel and used it in jaws i think that's right i did not know um, i knew it was from duel yeah. um which is funny because yeah, yeah. i i think it was, it was sometime in the last couple episodes i talked about that event i went to where anyone could stop the film and provide their analysis mm. and uh someone brought up like hey this reminds me at the end of duel with the the oil spilling out and I'd already been talking a lot during that event, so I didn't want to be like, it's a sound effect from Duel! Uh, <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah, it, it definitely is, yeah, the, that roar you hear, at least in this part, is the, the, same, the same bit from Duel. And if you watch the scenes, like, back-to-back or, on, like, stacked on top of each other, like the Zapruder film, uh, it's interesting <laughs> because the motion of the we'll say the creature for lack of a better word of the creature dying is mirrored. So in Jaws or in Duel, the truck goes to the left of the screen in Jaws. The shark goes to the right of the screen. Um, Mm. And the truck kind of flips upward and the the shark is kind of descending. It's really, it's really neat to watch them stacked on top of each other. I I saw the video during my research for that, for this episode. And it was really neat to kind of see how it was like paralleled and then hear the, the sound effect uh, at the mm. same time. Yeah, I, I watched that, I probably the exact same uh, comparison when I was um, doing my research for my um, dual article that I was writing. But yeah, I, I the two, like watching them together is just really cool. Like you're saying that the sort of like mirror parallel uh, type of thing. So even though Spielberg has only got like a couple of films under his belt at this point, like, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. <laughs> like, yeah. in linking these things together and, like, creating this story, like, even between his films. And we talk how effectively, you know, Jaws conveys its message and meaning through stuff other than what we are told. And this is, you know, a great example of that sort of coming over from, from previous film and, and into this as well. So, um, yeah, I I think, Kevin, you mentioned the the sort of, like, the otherworldliness of, of that score, um and i i really love that music cue i just it does something it does something to me i don't know what it is i can't pinpoint it but it just 
it's chilling but yeah it's also quite like calming and soothing it's a very like strange piece of music but yeah i i wrote down in my notes that it sounds like ethereal and an alien and it's it's such a it's so different to to the rest of the score but not just that it's about as far away from the ominous tones of the shark score that you mm-hmm. can get like these two things are completely different so it is signaling this sort of like you know finality to this like the the shark is gone and that's where we get this very very different um piece of of music and i i mean take a drink for every time i say that this is my favorite uh shot in the film but this scene does have one of my favorite favorite shots in the whole film which is uh what they stole in jaws the revenge which is that shark fin just like slowly sinking into like the blood pooling in the water it Mm -hmm. is a beautiful shot it's so effective i just I love it so much. And I didn't realise how much I loved it until we started doing this podcast and I watched it through uh, when I was doing the breakdown for the episodes, actually. And, and I happened to have it it paused on that bit. And I just looked at it and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, it's a really, really great shot. Uh, yeah, there's so, I mean, there's so much like, good stuff uh, in this scene, even though it is like wrapping things up. But yeah, that shot is a, is a real standout. Do you want me to go? Do you want me to move on to the, to the next thing, or do you guys? Uh, I have one thing I want to talk about with the yeah, score. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so the score, uh, in this moment, it it makes me feel bad for the shark, um, mm-hmm. which right. Uh, I think you know translates that Vietnam allegory we were talking about, which is basically like, hey, if we would have just shut down the beaches for a couple weeks, the shark would have left. Like, there's. There's actually kind of no reason for the shark to have been killed. It was at home. Mm. It was it was at home. Um, that's that's where <laughs> the shark lives is in the water. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think reading it through that lens, uh, especially, it really just is like, oh, there's, it's it's just it's useless bloodshed. Um, despite it feeling triumphant and you rooting for the hero, and I don't know, if, I I mean. I don't know how far the intent for the Vietnam allegory was supposed to go, if it was supposed to go anywhere at all, right? We've talked about the Lord of the Flies reading we've had on this show, uh, where, you know, a lot of that intent is maybe just us reading into it because we have a minute-by-minute breakdown podcast. So uh, <laughs> whether it was even intended to be an allegory for for the, the, the Vietnam War is uh, maybe our own invention. So... Um, <laughs> You know, and and if you look, especially if you look at the clips of, like, Spielberg talking about um, the shark in, uh, what's the Val Taylor, playing with sharks. Mm. It's clear he wants the shark to be the bad guy. Like, this is, you know, this is his sort of John Ford, good versus evil, you know, white hat versus black hat cowboy type of movie. Um, And so the shark is supposed to be the villain. Um... But the 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 way John Williams scored this scene, it's a little is wistful the right word? Where it's like Is it yeah, do you know what? It's exactly the right word because that is what the subtitle said uh, on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) And love a music subtitle, it said uh, wistful music, so you got it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's this weird it's not 
it's this weird thing where it's not bittersweet because you're happy that these people will be able to move on with their lives. But also, if you think about it in the context of, I guess, what we know about sharks now and just like, especially with the the reading we've had on the on the show semi recently, it's just like, oh, that's that probably didn't need to happen, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually. And as you were saying about like the they're going you know the shark was just in its house and everything i'm now like okay is jaws like a a home invasion film as well from the class it is that like because uh <laughs> brody hooper and quint has just like gone into this gone into the shark's house now and uh tried to take tried to take him down yeah i can't wait for michael haneke's jaws <laughs> 10 sh- out of 10 would yeah. watch sharky sharky games <laughs> I'm sure there's some college kid that's, uh, you know, going to be listening to these podcasts at some point down the line. He's going to take a huge bong rip, hear all of this, and suddenly try and write a paper about how Jaws <laughs> is secretly an anti-colonialism picture. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, we are the kings and queens of uh, reading too much into a film, so <laughs> if you can find it in there, just... <laughs> It's, hey, it, that's that's part of the charm of this whole of, of y'all's whole thing. <laughs> I I enjoy it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so so Hooper comes up, and I immediately just started really keying in on. Okay, so one of my favorite things that I've somehow retained from being a child is one of my favorite noises, uh, in the movie is when Hooper uh, reaches up to, like, grab a cable or something, and there's, like, a... It's, like, a soft... I, I, I can't explain it. It's, like, a soft grab noise. And I just... I, I could always remember that from my childhood. I don't know why. Uh, weirdo <laughs> me, but, hey, I'm on a podcast talking about a 50-year-old movie, so there we go. Um, so, yeah, so I did a bunch of research on the boat itself, uh... The boat was a 42-foot Nova Scotia lobster boat named Warlock. And one thing that I kind of ignored or didn't notice until, like, my later years was the boat ID number. Mm-hmm. Uh, MS-15LF. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it, like, disappears or it, or it appears incomplete in different shots of the movie. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a negligible detail. I didn't notice it until I really started paying attention, so whatever. But <laughs> So then I started looking into boat IDs, because I was trying to figure out why are those letters and numbers there the way they are. And a boat ID, boat registration number, it's three bits of data, uh, identifying the state, the number, and two additional letters. There were a couple of places I found that said it's the initials of the registrant, but I couldn't find anything official like an official state source on that, so I I consider that a dubious claim at best. Uh, For the Orca, the state part of it is listed as MS. Massachusetts? Correct, but the postal code is Mississippi. So the so but, but, but that's what I thought it was. I thought, wait, well, that's a pretty weird mistake. But then when I was researching boat registration... MS actually is the boat registration for Massachusetts. 
And the registration, it turns out, is for the individual, not the boat, meaning that the ID could be transferred to a different vessel for the same owner. So had Quint lived, he could have taken that same number and put it on Orca 2 or whatever he would have, you know, uh, called his uh, called his next boat. And uh, yeah, and it's not to be confused. The boat ID is not to be confused with the hull identification number, which is a 12 character serial number which appears on the stern of the boat uh, that has been in effect for every vessel made since 1972 however since the orca doesn't appear to have a hull identification number the orca was likely built before that mm. wow huh so that's, <laughs> so, so that's me on just the boat <laughs> Holy i'm crap. like you did your research <laughs> That's me and MJ, just like, uh, some stuff, some things. Shark big. Uh... Shark big. <laughs> yeah. Bo- boat big, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not big enough, though, yeah. as we established no. yes, earlier clearly. in the film. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, well, all of this is brand new information to me, so kudos for doing the research and doing the I reading. I was so but... petrified y'all were going to be like, you know, oh, we mentioned that two episodes ago and you haven't heard it yet. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> no, just... don't, don't worry. You are the first. You are the first to notice, the first to bring it up, uh, the first to uh, give us information that we, did, that we didn't have about the boat. But I like that. So I guess the, the, the short summary of that is that like it, it checks out in terms of the, the boat's registration being accurate right for, for yes. the place for the yeah. okay see i this is one of the many things that i i love about jaws is when these like small details like do check out because they didn't need to do that they didn't need to have that information be completely accurate but it's just always nice to me when i find out like that oh they actually did do the research like when they say things you know about about the shark you know the I think this must have been on the episode with with Jack um, MJ. I don't know if you can remember that that far back, but like talking about that the sharks will eat anything. Um, oh yeah, as they sort mm-hmm. of established in that autopsy scene, and he was like, "Yeah, that's right. That checks out." So it's just these. I mean, that is a very obviously a very like niche piece of <laughs> piece of information, but I love that that is accurate as well. It just speaks to the level of detail in this film like why this film really lends itself to what we're doing here right like that you can you could just look at that and go it's a number on a boat and that's fine but you can also look at it do the research and figure out that yeah it actually checks out in terms of that is what that number would be for a boat that's you know registered in that area yeah um and I think I we haven't addressed this directly, but like we, the, we, when you talk about the shark research that happens in the movie, and I guess maybe we should wait until later, but I'm going to talk about it now anyway, because um, there is there is <laughs> shark like bio, biologists credited. Um, one of the things they definitely got wrong is like the way a shark bites down, like bite pressure and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like in the in the playing with sharks documentary, Val Taylor essentially wears chain mail and proves that sharks have no bite pressure. What they do is they bite and then they move to, cause their teeth are serrated. So they're essentially like, it's almost like this is a, maybe a bad comparison, like almost like how you would use a steak knife across, uh, you know, a piece of meat or like a bread knife mm-hmm. to slice bread. 
Um, oh, that's accurate. Yeah. And mm. so they move back and forth rather than like a chop or a chomp. I guess it would be a chomping motion that a shark would do. Like how you would slice like, I don't know, like a, a tomato or a cucumber where you just let the, the weight of the knife do the work for you. Um, mm. It's it's a, they have serrated teeth, so they have to move back and forth. So there's not a lot of bite pressure from a shark. And like in the in the interview with Spielberg in that movie he talks about you know oh the bite pressure is like two tons per square inch or something crazy like some insane number (laughs) of of what the bite pressure of a great white is but the thing is like until ron and valerie taylor started doing what they were doing there was not a lot of research about sharks that was Mm -hmm. all that accurate um so you know they were accurate where they could be but then a lot of the other stuff is a lot of hypotheses that were eventually proven wrong by the research Ron and Valerie Taylor did as a result of how kind of mean to sharks people were after the film. Um, Mm. So yeah, it's not, you know, I I think it might be easy for an audience today to look at some of the behind the scenes stuff where they're spouting shark facts in quotes and be like, Oh, well they were like spreading misinformation. And it's like, well, no, we just didn't have that information at that time. Like that came after they made the movie. And also, mm. you're going to have to exaggerate some stuff regardless to make an entertaining movie. It's not a documentary. Right. Yeah. Uh, actually, to piggyback off of what you said about uh, Shark Bite, this goes back to a, a documentary I saw in the very early goings of Shark Week when it was... When it was uh, when it was just about the sharks, man. Yeah, before they started um, doing stuff with the jackass crew. Right. And, and before they started to try and theorize that maybe megalodon was still alive or whatever um but a one of the uh divers or researchers said that sharks actually have about a similar bite force of a human being Mm. the the what obviously what separates them from us is all of the serrated teeth and the fact that they shake around violently and all that kind of stuff so there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, and that said, though, one of the one of the jackass guys did get bit by a shark during Shark Week last year, and I was listening to a clip of him on on Steve-O's podcast talking about his uh, his experience getting bitten by a shark, and he said that. It still. He was like, it it did the serrated thing, but he said you could still feel that that creature was all muscle. Um, Mm. He said it, he said it was so strong, like that. He, he said that he basically let his hand go limp. It was limp anyway, because it, sorry, severed a bunch of his arteries and tendons in his hand. Um, But he said he made the conscious decision in that moment to like, let the shark have the hand because if he would have fought it, he feels like it would have just ripped the whole hand because of how strong it felt because it's just, it's, I mean, it is a pure cartilage animal basically. Um, so he said it was that's wild to think about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. He was like, it felt like the strongest arm anyone's ever had, had me by the wrist. Um, and I was like, that's so crazy. Like it, it was just crazy to hear like a, uh, a shark bite survivor talking about their experience with it. Um, Mm. So, yeah, look up that clip from Steve-O's podcast if you are interested okay. in sharks. It's like a 30-minute clip. Um, the guy's name is Poopies. Um, 
It's not a joke, right? No. Okay. Okay. Yep. Feels very on brand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would have enjoyed it better if it was Party Boy myself, but uh, sure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, back to the 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 scene. I yes. wanna <laughs> we I'd be here all day talking about shark facts because honestly I am so fascinated by it. And Martin watched Playing with Sharks yesterday and he was like, This is just gonna be a Jaws thing, isn't it? And I was like, Don't doubt me. I was like, I promise you it's such a good documentary and he sat and he watched it and he loved it. Yep. So uh sharks are interesting. Uh there's actually a bunch of shark documentaries on on disney plus like the national geographic ones mm-hmm. i can't vouch for how good they all are but that's where um playing with sharks is as well um but yeah back to back to this scene i want to talk about brody in this scene and specifically that moment of so we, we've had the moment of elation we, we talked mm-hmm. about that last week's episode and like how the release that that we all felt really i mean we we, we spoke about that a lot um didn't we last week MJ when we're sort of saying you know like never feeling that sense of of triumph like we well I said that anyway about uh yeah in in last week's scene as as we did sort of watching it in this way but the the contrast then in in this scene and Roy Scheider does so much with just his face in this scene that is just really incredible it's like after this sort of moment of elation where he doesn't even seem in control of of that that laugh that that sort of noise that he makes when when the shark finally blows up and then after the you know the the carcass the shark cuss if you will uh <laughs> sinks to, uh <laughs> sinks uh down and we go back to to brody and we see his face and it's just like the the gravity of the situation just hits brody like a ton of bricks when we return to him it's like you can see the pain in his face what they have been through what has just happened like he is i mean uh, use the phrase we speak about sort of like the the comparisons to war films a lot he looks shell-shocked uh, yeah. at that moment um and you know uh, still at this point he thinks that he is the only one left as well so it is that moment of I mean, it's an oh shit moment, right? Like, he's just like, both of these people have gone, this thing has just happened, what am I going to do next? Like, you know, the yes, the immediate danger has been removed, but he still needs to, to get himself off of that mast. And the way he is, we'll get on to, like, sort of uh, Hooper's approach as well, because there's some really great uh, blocking and setup of the that shot when you sort of see Brody lying on the mast. But the he is clinging onto that mask. Like, he is not letting go. He's not like, the shark is gone, let me immediately paddle back to shore. I don't know how long he would have been lying there clinging to that mast if Hooper hadn't have, like, swum up and kind of snapped him out. <laughs> snapped him out of it a little bit, yeah. because he is just like, what oh, no, do you def- even say? It's definitely shell shock, like, because I'm, mm. I'm, I've rewound it myself, and, like, he, when they cut back to him after the, 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 uh, the, uh, shoot the side fin uh, mm. i didn't i'm not a shark biologist the side fin like disappears in the cloud <laughs> yeah. of blood they cut back to brody and he is smiling but then that immediately evaporates into into like what you said like shock ptsd yeah. survivor's yeah. guilt a whole bunch of things just going on in his face and it's just he does all of that in the span of a three four second 
shot by himself. So, you know, Roy Scheider, good actor. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it reminds me of the end of Sorcerer, right? Yeah. Where? 100%. I mean, any excuse. <laughs> yeah, any excuse to talk about Sorcerer, but... <laughs> Uh, I was waiting for one of you to bring that up. Yeah, just he does. So, uh, spoilers for Sorcerer. At the end of the Sorcerer, he does this thousand yard stare that's like, well, it's over, but like, at what cost? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. He's very good at that. Yeah. He's very good at that look. <laughs> yeah, well, and then, you know, I, I really want to know what audiences reactions were like in 1975 to Hooper popping up. Um, Mm. Because I feel like it would be easy to forget. Like, I know there's like the, the, um, what was I going to say? Like, it's, it's kind of cliche maybe to have like characters you thought were previously dead come back at the end. Um, There's that great moment in kiss, kiss, bang, bang, where like, you think Val Kilmer died, but then he walks in on a cane and the narration is like, look, I know I hate. Oh, no, he comes in a wheelchair and he's like, I know I hate when you think a character died in a movie and then they're all of a sudden like back at the end, but they've got a cane or they're in a wheelchair or whatever. It's like, let's just bring everyone back. And then <laughs> in the shot, you see like all the dead bodies from the crimes come in like they all the people are alive again and they're walking and then Abraham Lincoln walks into the shot <laughs> like uh, <laughs> and. I, so I know it's like some people don't like that, but here I think it's very well earned. And I think that especially with how much happens after Hooper gets out of the cage, it's easy to forget about him. I feel like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's this it's it's really, really well played to like have him leave the the cage and hide behind the rocks or whatever. And then everything happens to like the till the 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 shark gets blown up and then oh yeah hooper's back oh whoa shit i forgot about that Mm. guy (laughs) yeah the way the way he emerges as well like you see the the sort of like the bubbles and then then he sort of pops up but he doesn't pop up like right by brody so you sort of have a moment of them them not being together and then that really great shot that I that I love where you sort of got like the in the foreground you've got the like the wreck of the of the orca and then you can sort of see Hooper um working his working his way around it, grabbing onto things to to help himself round, and then you can just see Brody like still <laughs> still lying there. It's like you can imagine what sort of Hooper is is thinking as well. Like how much of it was he aware of when he is like underwater? Obviously he was keeping out of the way but aware that something was was going on probably would have you know it seemed like a pretty loud explosion so he would have heard something and realized it was it was safe to come up but yeah it's i don't remember like the the very first time i saw it whether i was like surprised that that hooper was was alive i think i yeah I don't know. It would be interesting to see if people were like genuinely shocked. They'd be like, "Oh, there he is," or like, because you see him swim away and hide, but there's still no guarantee that he was okay. And like you said, a lot has happened <laughs> since we last saw Hooper. Like uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love the I love the WTF acting he does when he first emerges. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good they're both so good in this scene and they say probably like 10 words between them it's fantastic (laughs) 
Actually, I just did the count in my head. It's actually nine. Uh, <laughs> they, they say nine words between. Wow. Them. I mean, I mean, I was close. Te- technically, I mean, look. If if you want to disregard Brody making that, huh? Like, if you want to count that as a word, okay, that makes it nine. If you don't want to count that sigh, then it's eight. Okay, I was pretty. I was pretty close. Just for pulling oh yeah, that no, no, no. Out of I, I, I was, no, I, I was. I did the count because I knew it. I knew you had to be either on the money or right there. Yeah, but isn't it, like I mean, I'm glad actually that we have that like exact number because this kind of illustrates my point. But like, isn't it just wild? Like how much is said in this scene? How much is communicated in this scene? And eight nine words or whatever are are spoken like they say everything that they need to say with their faces with that silence with that beautiful moment between them where they sort of you know they they share a moment of, of sort of being happy to to see each other and it's really it's really great and lovely but there is this sort of elephant in the room of like there's someone missing and hooper just asking you know quint and Brody replying no it's just so it's so perfect it's so saying everything you know you don't need this big moment of this sort of wailing and gnashing of teeth and and really dramatic uh displays of emotion I mean these guys are exhausted by this point right so (laughs) I'm not surprised that they only have like a couple of words to say between them but it's just like I always love looking at like reading between the lines, like looking at what isn't being said and how it is being communicated. And this scene says so much by, by saying so little. Right. And the, again, this, this goes back to, well, this goes back to a point that you guys have made, I I think time and again on the podcast and something that I've sort of always felt about Jaws is that as a kid, like even as a kid, like a five, six year old kid, I got it. Like, I uh-huh. got what was going on. Like, all Hooper says is Quint. And Brody just says no. Not, hey, where's Quint? Hey, did Quint make it? What happened to Quint? No, just Quint, no. And then Hooper suddenly, like, Richard Dreyfus's eyes oh, so good. actually mm-hmm. carry the entire scene yep. more, uh, just so much. And then, on top of that, you have the score, which the moment Brody says no, you hear the chime on the John Williams score, which then kicks into the end credits. Mm. And it's so, you you know, this this plays into your, you know, Quint is, uh, Quint was Jesus uh, theme, but <laughs> you get like the church bell ring mm. when Brody mm-hmm. acknowledges, no, Quint's gone. Check oh. back in three days. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just crawling out of the shark's mouth, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quint truly and, is and... the Boba Fett of the Jaws universe. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, yeah. So, so Richard, and now I'm totally like merging those characters. Together. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. And so Richard Dreyfuss's eyes like look around like he's dejected he's just looking around like doesn't know what to think mm. and then when brody sort of turns to his right our left 
and sees, you know, the, the barrels off screen and gets the idea and then asks Hooper, can we get in on those? And then Hooper, Dreyfus turns around and looks and you get that split second of recognition in his eyes that, mm-hmm. oh my God, yes, absolutely. And again, mm-hmm. nothing is said. There's not even, like, you don't even get the, there is no denouement to that into that moment itself. It's they immediately jump cut to them kicking towards shore. Mm-hmm. And again, as a five, six-year-old, I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got it because, you know, Steven Spielberg, pretty good filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Well, there's, yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point just about the efficiency of information in this entire film, but especially in this this act, this, like you said, there's no denouement to almost any of this. Um, like there's, there's not, oh, they swim back to shore and they have like this hero's greeting and everyone knows that the shark has been destroyed and everyone can get back to normal. And like, he has this moment with the mayor, like it's, we don't need that shit. So it's not in the movie. And Mm -hmm. I think a lesser movie would absolutely have this like weird bonus act at the end where like, uh we see them as like the heroes of amity and like you know carried in on the on the shoulders of the townspeople and you know buying charlie and denherter a roast or whatever and like i don't i don't i don't need that like this it's not about the it's not ultimately like about the journey of the people of amity it's about brody and hooper and quint and what they go through and right. so mm-hmm. the fact that the you don't need yub nub on Amity. Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. So like this movie, the f- entire falling action of the movie is less than four minutes of screen time, and also a large portion of that four minutes is the end credits. Um, mm-hmm. that's yeah. incredible. Like I wish more movies would do that, where it's like, hey, the thing we came here to do is done. That's all we need. <laughs> yeah. Right. Pace. <laughs> right. We we don't need we don't need a shot of, you know, five days later of Brody's family, like the silhouette shot of the sun in the background going down and Brody and his family standing on the dock, like mm-hmm. looking out at something. Like we don't we didn't need that. Mm-hmm. It's such a perfect ending. Like they really could have like Return of the King this yeah. right when it was like it yeah. just was like had five yep. different endings to it like one of them's on a bed and then like larry comes in <laughs> and just laughs and it's slow motion and like <laughs> then someone goes on a boat and they like wave them off and, yeah and then you know, brody they... <laughs> calls him murray instead of larry but they keep it in anyway <laughs> picturing larry jumping on the bed laughing now <laughs> that is that is the exact image i had in my head and it was quite disturbing um yeah, it's <laughs> wow. It is wild to me that we are talking about the end of this film. Like, I really <laughs> just having a small moment here that we're talking about the credits. <laughs> like this, I just can't. I mean, I can't believe that we're we're at the end of the film. But going going back to sort of you know the these sort of final final words, I guess that that, that are spoken. It's I love the the confusion of just like lost all track of like day, but also just the how refreshing it is to just be having such a mundane conversation yeah. like after after everything they've been through it's just like what day is it like is it wednesday is it tuesday and also very hashtag relatable content for me at the moment because i was off work last week with with puppy and 
I had no idea <laughs> what day it was, where I was, what I was doing. Um, very intense. So that that line really spoke to me. Uh, spoke to me this week. But it's I also such have a notes on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a just a wonderful like light-hearted moment but also it is conveying that getting back to normal like get you know without having without seeing them being back at amity right like right. we mm-hmm. don't need to have them going back and brody seeing ellen and and hooper going off on his boat or any of that like we don't need that it's like they have that very very small conversation between them about like what day of the week it is uh and well they're you know, confused about yeah. what day of the week it is from all the time travel <laughs> we've brought it back we've brought it back full circle yeah. uh yeah <laughs> it's i just i i love it and i mean we'll, we, we can get on to talking about the very last line because it because well, it is iconic but yeah any well, thoughts okay. on the other bits <laughs> yes so so i i so i i reread parts of the book and the 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 shark hunt takes place over four days uh in in the book in the in the movie it takes place over only two so i i wanted to look up the uh i looked up the calendar for 1974 and 1975 just in case they you know however the movie wanted to jump for a frame of reference and uh so let's see hang on a minute (laughs) i'm looking up the thing oh yeah so on the death certificate for chrissy watkins the year listed is 1974 Mm-hmm. So after the Fourth of July, uh, Brody Hooper and Quint go off on the on July fifth. They spend the night on the out on the water. Then July sixth is the finale. Mm-hmm. July sixth, nineteen seventy four, is a Saturday. <laughs> now, if you want to give yourself look, it, it, look, if you want to, you know, I, I, I didn't hell, I didn't think to look this up until my college age because I was a weird, I, I was a hardcore movie film nerd back then, and I still didn't care. Uh, because I just chalked it up to Hooper and Brody, you know, having near-death experiences sure. and having absolutely zero understanding of time and space or anything like that. So yeah, I mean that's that's a good reading of it too, right? Like I watched an interview with Bo Burnham and he was talking about his mom worked in a, a hospice facility, and <clears throat> um, which you know is taking care of dying people, and that's a hard job to do. And uh, he said that a couple months into working at that facility she started for, to forget basic stuff like who the president was um and she to the point where she like went to a doctor and was like hey do like do i need to go to a neurologist and the doctor was like what line of work did you say you were in and he she was like oh i'm a hospice nurse and he was like oh no he was like that's your brain just coping with being around so many people dying all the time um and just like watching grief happen um he was like, yeah, it happens everywhere. And then she started mentioning it to her coworkers. And they were like, oh, yeah, that happened to me the first few months I worked here, too. So um, that is a good reading of it. I do also like Shark to the Future, though. So <laughs> Not Shark to the Future. <laughs> instead, of, instead, of so, instead of somebody screaming Marty, it's Hooper screaming, Martin! <laughs> Your kids are southern it. now. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is all I can think of now. <laughs> uh, I googled Shark to the Future. 
and I found something called Future Shark. Oh, is it? Uh, well, presumably it's about a shark that goes to the future. It's not it's a from the future. Film, I think. Oh, shame. Yeah. <laughs> Thought this was gonna be another Ouija shark, but yeah. alas. Oh, it's <laughs> from the. Is this a BBC show, Primeval? Probably. <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. Future Shark. Primeval Future Shark. Yeah, okay. So apparently it was on... It was on... It's in season two, episode four of some British show called Primeval. Hmm. Well, consider me interested. And it's uh, just called Future Shark. <laughs> that's just what they that's just what I they see. named it. They couldn't come up with a better name than Future Shark. <laughs> Here's Future Shark, by yeah. the way. A little lazy, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a <laughs> It's stupid looking. It's real stupid looking, yeah. It looks like a giant catfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't look catfish. Yeah. Whew. Uh <laughs> Um yeah, the I what was I gonna say? Yeah, the the last line yeah. I do want to talk that. about. <laughs> it's so great. I I mean, of course we would love the uh film ends on a gag. Uh <laughs> really appeals to my sense of humor. But there's um, been buttons on every on nearly everything yeah. so far. So why mm -hmm. shouldn't there be a button on this movie? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's just it's oh, it like reading too much into it, which you know what we do. <laughs> it's like it says again. It's like says so much. It's just like you know confirming this this what we've seen from Brody like from the start that that he that he had a fear of water that he hated the water that was like a lot of what we heard about Brody in in the first half of the film and I'll mention it again but just him not even wanting to go like toe deep into the water when the Alex Kintner attack happened and and so now being like pretty much fully submerged or you know paddling his way back to back to shore just the journey that that he has gone on and even though it is this this funny line of being, you know, like, oh, I used to hate the water, I can't imagine why, and it's like, haha, yeah, of course, like <laughs> because all of this wild stuff has has happened. Like it is a funny line, but also it is. It's just, I think what I'm trying to say is just it kind of sums up Brody's journey really nicely that he can now make a joke about it, that it's not this serious thing that that he that he feared before like yes he has been through through all of this stuff but i think that when you go through something and then like enough time passes between it to then being able to like make a joke about it is part of like the healing process right so i feel like we're we're getting that a bit with brody i mean this is all kind of happening like quite sped up because you know if, if as you're saying it's like the orca mission or whatever takes like two days that's pretty quick that he has like overcome his fear of water but whatever like <laughs> it's he's probably not all the way there because i think that this is gonna leave him with some lasting trauma for quite a while uh <clears throat> but just this 
now being at the point, obviously, they are heading back to safety, they're heading back to the beach, he's going home, he's happy, the shark is gone. Uh, but just being able to make light of the situation, I think, just says so much about Brody's journey that we've seen mm-hmm. him go on in this film. And 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 what does he what does he say before before all of that? He says, "I think the tide's with us." Mm, mm-hmm. so yeah, you can add you know a little more. You know, if you want to read more into it, you can just view <laughs> that as more optimism. That's actually a really excellent point. It's just like the the water is not. Because you know that moment like earlier in the film where he's like staring out at the water, like the water is the the enemy, and he obviously has this this fear of it. But now it's just like an acceptance, or you know, not feeling that same fear that he did because of what he's been through. But you know, the tide is with us. Like you you said, Kevin is like it is more optimistic, sure, but it's also the it's not now something he is working against. It's something that he is working with. Which says again, like so much about like the journey that he's been on. Yeah, and you know Hooper's there for like extra motivation, where he just tells him keep kicking, and then and then find, and then you know Brody just makes the casual comment. It's like it's like he kind of just realizes it's just like an offhanded comment. Like he just realizes, oh wait, I'm I'm floating in the water in the in the open ocean paddling back to shore kicking back to shore that's pretty wild isn't it (laughs) and then yeah like just hooper with the 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 absolute uh cheek of him with with that line at the end it's 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 perfect Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's also you know i well he said he says it in the past tense right he says i used to hate the water which implies he's at least somewhat okay with it now um Mm -hmm. Which I think is progress. But I like that the film, like, and this this is, we beat this drum in the past, but especially with the way it ends, everyone talks about the Spielberg schmaltzy ending or whatever, and, like, Hooper's back and it's celebratory, but, like, we have the moment where he asks about Quint, and it gets very somber. Like, you said, uh, mm. Kevin, like, it, it just his eyes carry that whole thing where he's just like, it gets very somber, but there's also, Mm -hmm. um, this shot right here, uh, where, I mean, that looks like a tail behind them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. What the, the, the wind. Yeah. Is Is that the wind? uh, Is it a wind vane? Is that what it is? It's on the mast. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, like at the top of the mast. I guess it would be like a wind vane to tell which way the wind is blowing, but it look—I mean, it looks like a shark. Yeah. Like it's still, yep. like they—they they're, have not escaped this thing yet, um, because yeah. like you said, it does lasting damage, as evidenced by Brody's lawn decoration in Jaws Two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, just because they've like physically eliminated the threat i mean and we've seen this with quint like quint never really escaped the sharks that originally attacked him right right uh, y'all i think y'all mentioned that talking on the multi-part uh indianapolis 
uh, bits about uh, PTSD mm-hmm. and trauma and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's carried that like well, you know, carried that with him and until his death, really, and obviously affected him because of the change that we see in Quint, sort of post sharing his his trauma with the others, and yeah, it, I mean. We'll save our thoughts on Jules too, because uh, we'll <laughs> we will be talking about it at some point. Not minute by minute, thankfully, but as much as I would love to spend a whole hour talking about the fact that Brody uses one of the yellow barrels uh, outside of his house as like a little plant holder. Uh, <laughs> actually, that <laughs> brings me very nicely onto uh, what I've put in my notes as a uh, barrel continuity. <laughs> this is going to be the main thing that I'm going <laughs> to be looking out for. Uh, when we watch it the whole way through for our kind of big finale episode that that we'll record next week, uh, I've decided I don't care uh, about the barrel continuity now because I, in my uh, headcanon, I am believing that there are two yellow barrels left uh, and that is consistent. And the reason why there are two yellow barrels left is because there are the two characters left and obviously they have like mm. a barrel each and they i don't know string them together and that's what they use to to paddle back to shore so mm. i no longer care about the lack of barrel continuity i will still have a look for it when we're when we're watching the film just because i need answers i feel <laughs> just I... to like put this to rest but i i also don't care because i love i love that idea of there being like two barrels left two people left because we spoke as well about the the shots where it sort of lined up with like the number of ba- number of barrels in the water and and how they were positioned on the boat and stuff like that and using these these barrels like like bullets you know like one bullet left whatever uh so if the continuity doesn't check out but there are two barrels left and there are two two guys left and that's what they use to paddle back in i'm cool with it <laughs> I, I I guess I never I never even considered it because I looked at it like, well, the sharks still had three barrels in them, and I don't know if the barrel I don't think the barrels themselves blew up, so mm-hmm. two of them could have been floating around there. And then when I started thinking about how people would point out, oh well there's more barrels still on the orca at certain points in the movie, I always just looked at it like you know, Quint could have another barrel or two mm-hmm. inside the bottom of the boat, right? Like, he, mm, he yeah. can load up five or six or whatever the starting number is, you know, when they mm. when they shove off a sh- of a shore, but he could have a couple more down below. So that, like, that's one of those, like, you know, people trying to come tisk tisk and wag their finger, and it's like, my man... I, I, it's one of those easily explainable things mm, that mm-hmm. just kind of just yeah that makes sense that's fine whatever I'm not gonna flip out over it. Um, I really don't care about like continuity errors. We've spoken about this quite a lot in previous mm-hmm. episodes that like Scorsese and Spielberg are kind of in that uh you know school of if the shot is great doesn't matter if <laughs> like if it's if that's the best take if that's the best the best shot that they got continuity schmontinuity like it doesn't it doesn't really matter right in the grand scheme of things right and it's not like it's not like they cut back to brody leaning on the mast and suddenly he's wearing a a plain white t-shirt instead of the black shirt that he's been wearing the entire movie like it's nothing 
patently obvious. It's something that you really have to focus on. And even then, in the case of the barrels, there's you can make a reasonable explanation about it. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to let yeah. it go and move on and enjoy <laughs> the movie because that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, it, re- it really doesn't matter. That's the thing. It does not matter at all. Like, even if I sit and watch the film and I'm like looking at those barrels like a hawk, it absolutely <laughs> does not matter yeah. because like you said, perfectly plausible that there would be another barrel like below the decks or something like Mm -hmm. it's yeah (laughs) maybe i don't care about the barrel continuity anymore this is a moment of healing for me i uh i i i used to hate the lack of barrel continuity i can't imagine why can't imagine why (laughs) exactly Boy, I've had three of these today. I'm, I feel like I'm hitting, I'm hitting for the cycle. This yeah. is great. Oh dear, yeah. Uh. Uh, so what I will say about barrel continuity is that in the shot that I shared on Discord, there's two barrels in the background, but then. Mm-hmm. Brody looks behind and says, can we use those barrels to get in? So there's at least four barrels in the water with them right now. <laughs> yeah. Look. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I didn't say it did. <laughs> we could just, just replay that audio from JFK. Brody go, looks back and to the left. Uh, yeah. The magic barrel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the uh, if there were still barrels, like, attached to... I mean, I'm really getting hung up on this now, but, like, the barrels, like, still attached to the shark, like, yeah, like, the, the they might not have blown up. Like, it was... The, the shark got the brunt of that explosion, so... I mean, there aren't any barrels attached to the shark when he is, like, swimming towards the orca at the end, but it's fine. Look, it doesn't... <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Jaws is perfect. Uh, and even if there are these things, there is no way that uh, anyone who is n- not us <laughs> is watching this and is is hung up on that. I mean, well, actually, wasn't there someone at that? <laughs> yes, you there was. MJ. <laughs> uh... Ooh, they're gonna hate. They're gonna hate <sighs> this episode. <laughs> Lee Shark the Oswald. Go outside and touch some. Grass. <laughs> yes. That is, yes. That is. As always, my recommendation to a lot of people. <laughs> Touch some grass. Yep. <laughs> Touch a grassy knoll. Um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot more JFK-based humor in this episode than I expected. We started with the Zapruder film, and now we're here. <laughs> it's really taken a turn. Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the well we can i just want to dive into actually dissecting the the credits and who is credited and who isn't but just uh love the we see the scene playing out like behind Mm -hmm. the credits and i think it took me a a couple of watches of the film to actually realize that you do see them make it back to shore because i think you know credits start rolling and 
we're better at it now, I think, because we're used to post-credits and, and mid-credit scenes and what have you to sort of, like, stay for the credits in, in certain films. But it is quite unusual to have, like, a scene playing out, you know, behind the credits or, or whatever. But you, at that point in the film, your brain is already starting to switch off because you go, oh, it's over. But I like that in the background you can sort of see them just, like, paddling away and you see that they actually do make it safely to shore it just feels like a really nice ending it is that hopeful optimistic whatever spielberg ending but without being over over the top yeah right exactly it's it's like everything in in this scene that we're talking about it's kind of the uh it's doing the least but it is also saying the most in in what it's putting across like they're 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 not communicating that much between them we're we're getting all of that stuff from from the things that they're not saying and also yeah like we said earlier you don't have this big like homecoming moment celebration there aren't people on the beach like like cheering or anything it's just this quite it is still quite somber i think as well just the fact that it is the beach is completely quiet it's just the two of them uh but yeah i do i do like that we sort of see see that scene playing out and uh, I said this off mic, but because I was watching it on Netflix doing doing my prep, um, they kept trying to kick me out of the credits, and I was like, "Please don't do this." When I am tra- <laughs> trying to minute by minute breakdown uh, of this podcast, and also uh, uh, full disclosure, I cried <laughs> all the way <laughs> through the credits, and not because Netflix was trying to kick me out. It was a little bit. I'm. It was a little bit. I'm sad this is over, and also just like. I don't know. Actually, maybe that was it. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was just so weird to be at the credits. I can't quite describe the feeling. Yeah. But yeah, when I when I was doing my prep earlier, and watching the scene, and obviously I watch it through like a couple of times. I it I got to like my first watch, first watch of of the scene, and it was like I knew it was over, but then like the credits started and it was like the music playing and then i just got this really like heavy feeling in my chest being like oh it's actually over so i cried uh the whole way through the credits this is the first time that the jaws credits have ever made me cry so uh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah oh god oh i was just gonna say that the 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 peculiar thing or the thing that stands out is the film does not go to the film does not fade out it does not go to black until both brody and hooper are standing up mm-hmm. about to walk about to mm-hmm. like hit land like they're in the they're in a couple of inches of water maybe if they're not already on the sand of the beach itself but the film mm-hmm. doesn't go to black until the audience actually sees they made it back yeah mm-hmm. um also if my uh, geography or jawsography is to be uh, trusted, we are like the point of view is from where we found Chrissy at the beginning yeah. of the movie. I I thought the exact same thing, so I'm I didn't put it in my notes because I was like maybe I'm insane, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you said it. <laughs> Um, cause like looking back, cause I was, the shot reminds me of this Jaws. Mm. Nope. That's future shark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the ice cream, it's bunny the ice cream bunny again. all over again. <laughs> no, that's future shark is how I'm going to respond <laughs> to everything now. <laughs> 
<laughs> it re- the, the end credit shot reminds me of this scene or this this Mondo mm. poster. Uh, mm-hmm. But I went back to look because I looked at this poster right now to make that parallel. And then I went back to see if this shot is actually uh, in the scene where they find Chrissy. And then I like kind of just like mentally doing the geography there. I was like, oh, no, but we were standing basically where Hendrix is looking at Brody and Hooper walk, like paddling up to shore. Um, so it's just a really great like way to visualize the arc of the movie. Like we literally started in this spot and now we're, you know, we're over here. Also they have the lighthouse, which I know it's not, you know, it's not nighttime, so they don't need it, but it's like, you know, this beacon guiding them home essentially. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mentioned that a lot early in the film. Mm-hmm. As far as we're really hung up on the lighthouse thing for a while. So it's a, it's a nice reminder. And yeah, I'm, all but convinced that this is the exact same like if not the exact same spot pretty close yeah which a plus storytelling <laughs> 10 out of 10 pretty good film <laughs> i have nothing to add i'm just i'm, I'm sort of just <laughs> nodding like in my with my headset on like yes like y'all can see me uh-huh i agree yeah <laughs> Yeah, I feel real stupid for never having, like, made that connection before. About the Chrissy thing but, or the lighthouse? You know, the Chrissy yeah. thing. Like, the it being the same, the, you know, that same stretch of beach or whatever. I mean, I didn't notice it until well, right now. Like, literally, okay, literally as I was scrubbing through <laughs> while we were recording is when I noticed it. Okay, great. I don't feel stupid anymore. So, I'm dumber is... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> look, I am just glad that consistently from the very first episode until the the last talking about the, the film that we've just managed to still figure out things that we hadn't seen before or have our, our little tiny minds blown at things that are in this film. Okay, um, yeah, you want to talk about shit you've never seen before? The sound part department's credited on my version. Oh... Are they not credited on other versions? I don't know. They, I always thought IMDb says they're uncredited. Interesting. Hmm. Huh. So we've been saying, like, why aren't they credited? But I see John Carter and Robert Hoyt right here. Yeah. Yeah, I've got yeah. that on YouTube. Mm. Well, we're stupid. Or IMDb. I think stupid, it might be actually. IMDb because I'm pretty <laughs> sure IMDb lists them as uncredited. Unless they've... Uh, adjusted the credits for like home video releases mm, that is possible um makeup department uncredited production uh where is it i mean i didn't notice a writer credited in the in the end okay and so it looks like mm. carter and hoyt are credited but then there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 other sound, uh, sound department people who are also uncredited. Interesting. Yep. They just went for the, the main. The, yeah. <laughs> the it, main it, it almost seems like the 
the like they're the head the head of sound did that because it's like sound editor is uncredited adr recordist is unedited sound recordist is unedited the boom operators are un, uh, uncredited uh the recording and mixing engineer is uncredited which seems like a crime but whatever um <laughs> it's like that very personally. yeah uh i mean most of it i i mean i think you know if if it were released today, all these people would be on because there's like there's all kinds of special effects people who are uncredited. The model maker is uncredited. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> all the stunt department is uncredited. <laughs> yeah, I mean they. I feel like this is a thing in in older movies is that credits were pretty efficient, mm -hmm. right? Like it was, here's like the main people. I mean, I remember bringing this back to Disney, but I remember this on, on the Disney podcast that like, it was a while before the voice actors were credited. Wow. And like, think <laughs> like how important that is in terms of like creating the character. Like they, obviously they credited all of the, uh the the art department you know the 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 nine old men and, and walt and the director and and everyone else the colorist like all of the sort of animation department but like didn't credit the voice actors until like quite a way in as well um which is is kind of wild but yeah i mean now like credits can be like five ten fifteen minutes long sometimes like it adds quite a chunk onto the to the runtime of a film when you've got these, you know, big Marvel films or, or sort of special effects heavy films, like they, they credit everyone. And rightly so. I mean, if you had a part in the movie, you would want to have a, a credit for it, regardless of how small. But yeah, I think it was just an, an older film thing where it was like a bit more efficient crediting where it was just kind of like the main people. Like, yeah. let's let's let these people out of here now. <laughs> yeah. Part, part of me wonders if... Because I'm thinking of the, I'm remembering in the uh, stories of the production of the movie where the boat actually started to sink, and there was a sound guy, and yeah. uh, like an old sound guy holding up a fifty thousand dollar piece of machinery, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're all yelling at the rescue boats like, you know, get the sound guy, get the because yeah. he's seventy, you know, he's he's old, and I'm wondering if that was in fact John Carter, because. You know, I, I looked up on Wikipedia and he was born in 1907. So oh, yeah. Huh. That would have made yeah. him 60, 66, 67 during the production of the movie. So I don't know, just in my own weird head can. And I'm like, Spielberg is like, all right, look, you'll be one of the two sound guys I credit because you don't get around <laughs> on this. So there you yeah. go. Well, and yeah. like the entire makeup department is not credited, but they're credited as cosmetics by Cinematech, Cinematique. So it seems like. Mm. Uh, it seems like they credited the company that the makeup department worked for, but not the individual makeup artists. Mm. They didn't credit the model maker. That is... Buck wild. Ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ludicrous. <laughs> Wardrobe is also not credited. And we have spoken a lot about how great the costuming is in this yeah. film. So. And prop wrangler. Mm. Yeah. Somebody had to go get all those cans of Narragansett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah. Also, Verna I mean, Fields is the only credited editor too. Mm-hmm. I mean, deservedly so. <laughs> but, I mean, no, credit everyone. Credit everyone. Yeah. That's the that's the headline here. 
I mean, good that Ron and Valerie Taylor got, got yeah. credited, and they're like the they're like the last credit as well, yeah. right before the before the end, I think. Before the cast. Yeah, before the scrolling credits oh, of yeah. the cast. Yeah, 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 and then they do the yeah the cast, and that's that's the end of it. But yeah, huh? I find it. So, I I don't know. <laughs> me getting caught up in uh and analyzing the credits but that is the bulk of this scene to be fair uh when that kind of transition happened of like crediting absolutely every single person like even the kind of like office admin caterers yeah. when that sort of came in i mean i don't know i don't have the answer but yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't either um i think it's i do think it's interesting though that like uh they just the jump from this to you know not even 20 years later with jurassic park and you've got you've got like goofy credits like the dinosaur handler or whatever phil tippett <laughs> yeah no dinosaur super yeah or yeah <laughs> something wild like that <laughs> yeah there should have been a shark supervisor surely. yeah well didn't phil tippett work on jaws <laughs> or no Oh, I don't think so, but I might be wrong. No, he worked on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Was he the special so. effects supervisor on Star Wars? Is that? Uh, let's see. Mm. Uh, he did the stop motion animation in A New Hope. Uh, the go motion in Empire Strikes Back, and he was a makeup designer on Return of the Jedi. But he also worked on. Oh, he worked on Piranha. Um, <laughs> he was the creature designer on Prana and the animator. Um, nice. <laughs> but yeah, I think he worked on. Yeah, I think he worked in at ILM, and so. But he was like one of the heads by the time Jurassic Park happened, and so they credited mm-hmm. him as the dinosaur supervisor, which is hilarious. Nice. Piranha is the film that has Matt Hooper in, right? Uh, so that's Piranha 3D. <laughs> Okay. Which is the Fine. the sort yeah. of remake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have seen it. Nice. It's real stupid. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there's Piranha from the '78, and then which was sort of like a just like an exploitation Jaws knockoff, I think, and then uh, Piranha okay, Two, which had flying piranhas, and is James Cameron's first <laughs> film. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah, and then they made two new ones: Piranha 3D and Piranha 3 Double D. Um, Yep. Really? I mean... Yep. <laughs> you cannot see the eye roll I just did, but... <laughs> uh, you better believe it. Yep. Oh, he was also <laughs> the the dinosaur consultant on Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so... They're just... They're toying with him, but at this point, aren't they? <laughs> like, supervisor, consultant, manager... His credit... CEO of dinosaurs... <laughs> His credit on Star Wars The Force Awakens is Millennium Falcon chess scene supervisor. I mean, they really are crediting everyone yeah. for everything like, <laughs> By the way, while we're talking about Phil Tippett, go watch the trailer for his upcoming film Mad God because it looks insane. Uh, it's a film he directed <laughs> from Kickstarter. He kickstarted it and yeah uh, Mm, like a real passion project yeah it's a stop motion animation movie that looks unlike any other stop motion thing i've ever seen shutters getting it this year i can't wait um 
But yeah, if you if you haven't seen the trailer, go go look at it. He filmed it over a thirty year period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean. Uh, okay. Yeah. Not a lot of time for dinosaur supervising in that time. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> well, I mean, well, well, that's why he became a consultant. Oh yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> He's like, I got, I don't got time to supervise. I'm making this film. I'll just consult. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just pop in and out. <laughs> oh, I was just like, I, I'm not sure I have anything else in my notes, but I also just don't want to stop talking yeah, about uh, Jaws. So. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, okay. So I got two things. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I've got two things here. So one, uh, when I was doing some research, when, you know, when I was doing the initial research on the boat, and I saw a couple of places, and only a couple places, uh, mostly like figure, like figurine sellers. Uh, they were selling figures of Quint, and the either they're labeled or the seller was identifying him as Sam Quint. Uh, but he never mm. had a canon first name in either the novel or the film itself. So he, he is only Quint. There is no first name. And then the other thing that I had, uh, the I mentioned the trailer very early on that uh, Percy Rodriguez narrated. The trailer itself is over three minutes long. And really, mm. you only, like, if if you haven't seen the trailer, watch the trailer all you really need are the first 40 seconds of it and and you're fine now they keep going with the rest of the you know they just show random things from the movie and they don't really spoil anything thank god and you know they they do have the thing where they have to say who's in the movie you know roy scheider and uh robert shaw and uh richard dreyfus but really the first 40 seconds is all you need because all it is is the is percy rodriguez narrating all these terrifying things and it just crescendos with him saying the thing about the devil mm. followed by Chrissy's head going underwater. And it's like, all right, that would have sold me in 1975. Yeah. It's a, it's a super effective, like if you just take that segment of it, like as a tease, it's a super effective, like teaser trailer, whatever you want to call it. It's so good. Yeah. I watched it recently actually, cause I wasn't sure that I, that I had, seen the tra the trailer for it which is wild considering how many times i've seen jaws but yeah super effective um so yeah so that's uh that's all i that's all i've got i mean i could i could just praise the pacing <laughs> of the movie but other than that the only thing i had is that i think it's interesting that the credits don't start from the bottom up they fade in right in the middle the scrolling credits mm. yeah. um i've never noticed that until literally right now when i saw them uh once again as we were recording um they just fade into the middle like they start dead center uh with roy scheider up top instead of scrolling up from the bottom mm -hmm. yeah i hadn't noticed that either um oh uh, I, I don't want to, i'm like i don't want to yeah i don't want this film to be over i'm sad i don't want to cry on a podcast yeah that's Bye. uh that's it guys that's that's jaws baby um <laughs> if that's our, if that's our final parting words then i'm happy see now i now i wish this was recorded on video because I, I could do jaws hands yeah
Uh huh. <laughs> I'm imagining it. Don't worry. And also doing it, yeah. but no one can see. So yeah, <laughs> I expect everyone listening to this to do this. Uh, it's what Left Shark did at the Super Bowl that one year, right? It was Jaws hands? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, left shark. <laughs> Coming next, a minute by minute breakdown of that yeah, performance. Yeah, of the left shark. <laughs> Le- left shark for a minute. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real Back stupid. into the left shark. Back into the left shark, yeah. <laughs> wow, we got everything in, huh? <laughs> we sure I, did. I, I, I think we did. Yeah. um wow that's yeah that's that's the end of jaws uh i feel very much kind of like brody at the end of the movie where like the look on my face is like what now um even though i have a pretty solid idea of what now it just it still feels uh it feels it's gonna be different is all uh yeah this was a year of y'all year and a half Almost yeah. two, yeah. Um, absolutely wild. We will be doing a, a... It's weird to call it a post-mortem. Nobody died. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be talking, I think, more in depth about what this feeling is like next week. Um, mm-hmm. But I do want to say... I can't believe we did this. <laughs> My... <laughs> <laughs> I, it really is wild to me that we saw this through to like the credits yeah it's really just like i mean it obviously it dawned on me earlier when i sobbed my way through the credits but also just dawning on me now that like this was <laughs> i literally put it out as just like a i've come up with a funny title for a podcast <laughs> uh-huh. and i put and i put out a tweet and it was just like that was a funny tweet <laughs> pretty proud of that tweet and like this is what has come out of it, and I think we—I mean, we'll we'll get into all of this next week. I think otherwise this will take another yeah. hour. But like, we were both pretty determined, like from the start, that this—you know—we would see this through to the end. But like when I don't know when I started, and I was faced with my giant spreadsheet of like how many episodes there were going to be, and like breaking it down, and you look at things later on, and you're scheduling guests. <laughs> like Kevin for you know nine ten months down the line it's you just don't even think about that like getting to that point like it's only as I've seen the lines like disappearing on the spreadsheet every week when I'm like preparing the notes and stuff and you can now see like the bottom of it Mm -hmm. that it has just been like wow (laughs) like we we actually we actually did that and I I can't believe it. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that my ridiculous uh, joke tweet actually produced something, which I am very, very proud of and has been so much fun. And this is absolutely not the end of LJ Fam at no. all. Uh, I feel like that was people's concern. People were like, no, it's coming to an end. And I'm so sad. It was like, don't worry. You are not getting rid of us. We have big plans. And I think we will probably reveal them next Yes. so definitely even though the film is over i think next week's episode is going to be a hell of a lot of yeah fun. so probably very emotional yeah. as well but also just yeah we will then get to outline kind of what we're doing next and what our plans are and i'm very excited about that because it is kind of 
uncharted territory. It's, it's going to be very different. Mm-hmm. It's still going to have a Jaws connection. But yeah, it's... I can't believe that we, <laughs> we, we did we did the Jaws. It's, it's happened. Yeah. It's... Wow. I, like... <laughs> I feel like I dissociated for most of what you were saying because I haven't accepted it yet. You know, like it's, yeah. it was like, I, I caught yeah. myself not paying attention and it's not because I was bored or I was being rude or anything, but like my brain just is like in denial kind of like it. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that feeling. It's catharsis. Yeah. Yeah, really is. I mean, I'm going to come off this recording and probably just like have a little cry, yeah but then i, I don't yeah i don't really week. know what i'm gonna do after this recording like i know i have like and we're three weeks behind on episodes at time of recording so like you guys are not hearing this for another you know close to a month but uh it it is wild to just be like what do i do and i know we're recording next week at the same time but like it's gonna be a way different episode mm, yeah it's not gonna be the sort of like the breaking down of the film but i feel like i am that like sad tarantino meme now, just, like, <laughs> i'm just gonna be walking around my house looking at things like huh <laughs> the sad tarantino meme just having an existential crisis yeah. staring into the fridge or something <laughs> yeah i mean i'm really yeah. glad we did it i'm really glad we we finished it you know regardless of not that yeah. we're gonna we have plans to stop anytime soon but like regardless of like if it fills us out for whatever reason because like there are so many podcasts that start and then just stop uh without Mm -hmm. any acknowledgement and like we didn't do that shit man like we yeah (laughs) there were there were and and at no point did i think that was going to happen but there were weeks where it was like are we even gonna how are we recording right now like just like with the Mm -hmm. the insanity of and i'm sure we'll get into all this next week of just like how crazy it was like in our personal lives to make this happen consistently yeah (laughs) we both went through a lot uh in the last like couple of years i mean you mentioned it like i broke a couple of bones we both moved house i got married uh and we still like pretty much like stuck to the recording schedule uh we had obviously a little bit of a uh problem (laughs) when we couldn't edit oh yeah there was the phone sessions and then (laughs) yeah the phone phone sessions the moby dick sessions the good times oh (laughs) yeah the moby dick session that's right oh boy uh makes sense to no one who hasn't caught up on yeah (laughs) sean i hope you're there kevin's no 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 no. that was one of the last ones (laughs) i listened to and i just kept getting thrown off (laughs) i had it playing in the background and i'm like oh they're having a conversation with the guest and then all of a sudden mj just chimes in call me ishmael and i'm like the best the best thing is that it's like kept in like mine and chandra's reactions so it's like i'm laughing at what you're saying or like reacting really earnestly to you reading moby dick and it's so stupid so my favorite things that we ever did on the podcast is it makes me laugh it makes me laugh every time (laughs) i was like this is so stupid there's no way it's gonna work and then i popped it into that episode and i heard you guys reacting to what i was saying and i was like this works perfectly (laughs) this is the way it was always meant to be um yeah uh that's well congratulations yeah thanks Thank you. <laughs> Sorry that you have to kind of just <laughs> hear us just be like, whew, 
uh, <laughs> exhaling at the end of this, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really does feel like I ran a marathon, like it. <laughs> yeah, really, it really does. Hey, fuck you, Sarah. At the end of this, it says Finn. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of our notes today, it just says Finn. <laughs> I was so proud of myself when I wrote that. I I can't tell you how proud I was. (laughs) I just noticed that. I've had this open for like two hours and I just noticed that it says Finn at the end. (laughs) I couldn't resist. (laughs) Um, Uh, All right. I guess we'll start wrapping up. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us for this Pen, penultimate episode. Uh, yeah, you're very welcome. Final... I was glad to be yeah. here. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> yes, I have a few things. Uh, so, do you want to see my asinine takes on, I don't know, one thing or another? Uh, I am at, uh, at Sean Orleans on Twitter. Um, I do a... Uh, NFL podcast talking about the New Orleans Saints with some of my friends. That is, let me make sure I've got the exact address for that. Sorry. <laughs> that is <laughs> at Saints Happy Hour. Uh, we basically get together, drink, and talk about the football team that we love. Oh, okay. So, so that's us just acting like a bunch of uh goofballs busting each other's chops for an hour and a half (laughs) once a week and then also i work for a uh independent wrestling company in the st louis area called st louis anarchy you can follow them on twitter or on facebook at stl anarchy uh i I just wanted to you know promote them because i help them out and uh yeah so yeah that's everything cool very good. Uh, Sarah. Do I have anything to plug? I don't think I've got anything. I, I feel like I'm like, I am all worded out. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll be more coherent next week. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that's the end of the show. Uh, that's, I mean, that's really all I have. Like, Real real Perspective, my other podcast, R-E-E-L Perspective, it releases less frequently than this. Um, should be a Batman episode out now, especially now that it's on uh, the HBO Max um, here in the States. Uh, might do an episode on the, the Nicolas Cage movie. We'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? I do want to plug it's rare that I plug like a movie, which is bizarre, but it, uh, you guys still don't have it by the time you're listening to this, but I (laughs) really, really, really enjoyed my time with everything everywhere all at once. And, uh, I think everyone should see it. And if I'm spoiling questions, I don't know if we have this question for next week, but we get this question a lot of if there is another movie you could do minute by minute, I think everything everywhere all at once is my new answer. Um, it is incredible. Uh, it's probably my favorite movie the last maybe five, ten years. I really, really, Whoa. really loved it. Um, it's And it's one of those things where, like, you're watching and you're like, oh, this is... People are going to, like, study this, like, for a, for a while. Like, 
like for a while. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, and it's 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 always hard when a movie has that like you watch it and you're like, is this recency bias or is this legit one of the best movies I've ever seen? And the more I think about everything everywhere all at once, the more I think it's, it has nothing to do with recency bias because I mostly pretty critical about a lot of shit that comes out right now <laughs> um so yeah that would, the movie did a number on me um so check check it out if you have the opportunity it's coming to the uk may 13th i know most of our listeners are probably based in the uk um so yeah believe believe the hype on that one i think um nice. yep <laughs> and I am so glad that I saw that movie after we started this podcast. And I think even <laughs> if you're a listener of the podcast, you'll think the same thing like that. It's better to have listened to this podcast and then seen that movie than to have not just because of the way like our brains and our listeners brains have been trained to look for really tiny details over the course of a movie now. Um, Cause there's a lot going on in it and it's really dense and like, the, a lot of the visual stuff means a lot of different things. Um, yeah. So it was, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I even tweeted after like whoever starts the minute by minute podcast of that is going to have the time of their lives. Like I, it's going to be <laughs> such a fun movie to do this, this format too. So check it out because it's, ugh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow the show at jaws for a minute. Um, if you want to follow us individually, uh, please follow Jaws for a minute because not only will all be revealed on the next episode, you, the listening audience, will get to determine kind of what that means um, a little mm -hmm. bit. So there will be Twitter polls to essentially determine the future of the show. Uh, that does not mean you will be able to determine whether or not we continue. We're doing this regardless of whatever you think about whether we should continue or not. Um, but you will get to determine the manner in which we continue. Uh, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, at Jaws for a minute on Twitter and on Finstagram. It's in, uh, it's, we're on both social media platforms that way uh, under that name. If you'd like to follow us individually, at Sarah Buttery, that's S-A-R-A-H-B-U-D-D-E-R-Y, and you will see some very cute dog pictures um, all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if you want to see my cats being dinguses, you can follow me at MJSmith891 on uh, Twitter. If you are not on the social media channels, you can email us at uh, jawsforaminute at gmail.com. Um, do we want to open up the poll to non-social media listeners and just count? Because I don't think there's not a, a lot of them to where it would be annoying to count those votes. Or what do you think? Yeah, I yeah, I think we can do. We'll um, we'll sort it out. We'll we'll uh, give all the yeah, votes next yeah. week. But yeah, I think that's entirely okay, possible. Okay, great. Um, yeah, and then on those social media channels, you can find our link tree, which has links to all the ways you can support the show. Um, a really easy way you can support the show is to just give us a rating, give us a review, share us with your friends, share us with your family. Uh, if you think they would like what we're doing here, especially going forward, it is, it is going to be much different. And I think probably have a little bit broader of an appeal than, than what this show <laughs> initially was. Um, so 
yeah, that's uh, that's a, a very free, very easy way for you to support the show. It helps boost our numbers in the Al Gore rhythm. Um, and then <laughs> if you would like to support us through uh, wearing our logo somewhere, you can buy merch on Redbubble and TeePublic. Uh, we have two different logos to choose from, and they're both excellent. Um, you can also follow the artist who did those, uh, Alex, at HexGhosts on Twitter. Um, if you want to purchase our theme song, you can do that as well. It is a three minute, um, banger, I think. And, uh, Cam from Green Shirt, I saw your tweet requesting the origin story of Tiger Shark. It will be happening. I spoke to Kristen about it. So, um, yeah, we just need to figure that out. I haven't told Sarah yet, but, but, uh, Yeah, I did. I did talk to her about it. And she was like, yeah, I, I can do that. Um, so I don't know if it'll be a whole episode. We might append it to next week's episode, but whatever. Um, we'll figure it out mm-hmm. when we figure it out. Um, <laughs> uh, if you would like to follow Kristen on Instagram, you can follow her at Kristen Falls Music. Uh, it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N, not I-N, um, Falls Music on Instagram. Her link is also in our link tree. And then finally, if you would like to support the show, um by just giving us some money um you can uh (laughs) donate to our coffee page for a three dollar minimum and if you are a new donor you will be entered to win a piece of jaws merchandise if you're an existing donor who has not previously won our other giveaways you are still in the prize pool so um yeah you can donate three dollars and receive a potentially twenty dollar t-shirt in return um until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere <laughs>